Amen. Thank you, Miss Jean. Lord, give me a heart for souls. Amen. That is our prayer. Well, as I've told you, be having a missionary each Sunday this month. And so our missionary tonight is Brother Rod and Miss Christina. Our missionaries to George, South Africa. And so Brother Rod is going to come and tell us what the Lord has done through them, what the Lord has started there in South Africa through them, and where the Lord is directing him now. And then he's going to preach for us. Brother Rod, you come on. Well, good evening. Okay, this side sounds awake. This is not so sure. <laughs> it, is, uh, it is good to be with you uh, this evening. Thank you so much for uh, allowing us uh, this opportunity to be here and to, to kind of report back what, uh, what the Lord's been doing for the last 11 years there in South Africa. Um, and you guys have had a huge part in it. Uh, you've been with us pretty much every step of the way. Uh, I believe that uh, Marlbrook was probably one of the, I'd say the first 10 or 15 churches that, that took us on. You said, well, that, that, that sounds like we're kind of toward the end, but you've got to remember we have over 40 churches that support us, so you guys were one of the first, and we appreciate that very, very much. What I'd like to do tonight is um, is a, maybe a little different than what you're you're used to, um, but I want to give you a report, but I also want to issue a challenge to you at the same time. So, um, I'm, if you see me moving my hands like this, I'm, I'm I'm giving signals up there to to the guys up in the booth. <clears throat> in Ecclesiastes chapter three, Solomon he writes these words. He says, "To everything there is a season." purpose under the heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck up that which is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. I guess Solomon had a forewarning about COVID. I don't know. <laughs> A time to get and a time to lose, a time to keep and a time to cast away, a time to rent and a time to sow, a time to keep silent and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time of war and a time of peace. And what Solomon is talking about here is that as we go through life, there are times or seasons that we go through. Well, our family was is no different. Uh, in 2009, September 2009, our family boarded a plane. We went, we went with two teenagers, all right, that, just to let you know that's how long it took us to, to raise our support. But uh, in 2009, September of 2009, we boarded a plane to start a new season in our life. We were on our way to George, South Africa, and it was going to be an adventure for us. While we... Um, Upon our arrival, we were greeted by our, our friends, the Cranes, uh, who had just moved into the city of George. They had finished up a ministry that they had been working 20 years in there in uh, Cape Town. And God had called them to, to start a new team and a new church in the city of George, a city of about 300,000 people. And so when we, when we arrived, we were joined by them. Uh, a single missionary, Julie McFadden, and then later on, a Afrikaans pastor and his wife, uh, Kut and Renit 
Renate Peak. Sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself there. And so we formed the, the, the ministry team there for Agape Baptist Church. And uh, God has blessed that church. It's still, it's still functioning. It's still going strong. Um, the, um, I mean, not many missionaries get a chance to, to see the development of a new team, a new church planting team, and a new church plant. And we got to experience in the first few months that we were there. So that was some very valuable experience that God gave us. Definitely was a different season than what we were used to there in North Carolina. And so we worked with uh, the Cranes uh, there in the Agape Baptist Church. And our primary ministry, even though I was kind of the associate pastor, our primary ministry was working with the children, teen, and young adults uh, of the church. And we really enjoyed that. That, that was something that brought us a great deal because we were working with the next generation of, of, uh, of believers. And we uh, were able to start what we call the next-gen ministries. Now, um, we began to look around probably about 2016, 2007, about 2016, excuse me. Um, we began looking around, and we noticed that we had another church plant that was a sister church plant in one of the uh, what we call the colored community. And when we say color, we're not talking about, we're not being politically incorrect. Uh, they are, they would refer to themselves as colored. That means that they are mixed race. And they, there are so many that they actually make up their own ethnic group. So if you hear someone from South Africa mention the coloreds, they're not being racist. That's just the, the group that they're talking about. And that's actually the largest group in our city of George. So. Um, we looked at them and then we said, okay, if, if they're having trouble with their children, teen and young adult ministries, any church that we help plant in this area is going to suffer from the same thing. There was no, no facilities for them to, to operate out of, for them or us actually. Uh, we started work, uh, Agape Baptist Church started in the living room of uh, Pastor Bryant and then we grew to the point where we had to have a, another location. We rented out a a uh, small conference room there at one of the local hotels. We had it pretty good, but the, the church there at Pocklesdorf, the colored community, they met in a one-bed, in a one-car garage. And so everything that was done was done at the pastor's house. So we said, okay, they're hurting. We need to be able to, to help them with their children, teen and young adult ministries as well. So what we did was we formed the Next Gen Ministries. And the idea behind that was to take their children, teens, young adults, our children, teen and young adults, put them together for a time so that we, they would have programs for these young adults, these teens, these, these children. Not only would they have programs for them, but then they would also, if they had people in the church that were interested in working with those age groups, but they lacked the experience or the training, then they could come work alongside us and get the training that they needed. So that when the churches did have their own facilities and they were able to, to, to take those ministries over, not only did they have children and teens to pull from, but they also had trained leaders who could work those ministries. Uh, I'm happy to say that um, the, the Next Gen Ministries has, has gone very, very well. We're very excited about what the Lord is doing there. Um, please pray for those ministries right now because, because of COVID, we had to shut the, the children and teen ministries down. They've been down for almost a year now. 
Um, so they're going to have to be rebuilt as soon as the, the restrictions are, are lifted. Pray for our team uh, right now. Uh, they're going through. They just met for the first time in a month today. They, they, they went through another uh, four-week shutdown uh, because there was a third wave of COVID that went through. Um, and it's been, it's been hard. They've been up and down, up and down. Um, so just continue to pray for the, for the ministries there and the, 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 the government there, uh, they're very, very, they're singling out churches, uh, to try to keep people from, from gathering. So just pray for them as well. So the, but the next gen ministries are doing well. Um, and we do have a, a young couple that's getting ready to join the team, hopefully at the end of the year. And they're going to actually take over the next gen ministries. I'm getting old, so <laughs> I'm entering a different season of my life. I'm, I'm in my mid-50s, and I said, you know, there's a reason that you don't see too many youth pastors and, and uh, uh, youth workers that are in their mid-50s. It's because it takes a lot of energy. So pray for that as well. Also, about that same time, I took over as the uh, team leader for our, our ABWE team there. Now, just because I was team leader, that doesn't mean that I got to tell people what to do. <laughs> it meant that I got to listen to a lot of complaints and I got to do a lot of paperwork. Uh, but as I was going through the paperwork, I, I began to realize we had a lot of ideas, we had a lot of dreams, but we had no plan. And uh, Coach Joe Gibbs, he used to say that if you, if you fail to plan, then you plan to fail. And so I began to, to take some of the ideas and plans that are ideas and, and dreams that I had been told about from the other missionaries and began to kind of formulate them into a, a some sort of organized plan and came up with the Inspire George Church Planning Initiative. And if you want to know more about the, the Inspire George Church Planning Initiative, I'll be happy to tell you a little bit more after the service. But one of the goals of our of our uh, church plan initiative is we'd like to plant four to six churches in the next 10 years. And you say, well, how, you know, how many churches are in there? There are a lot of churches in George. But as I said before, there's 300,000 plus people there. So someone did the, the math, I did the statistics on it, and they said that if you took every chair or every pew and every Bible-believing church in George, and that's a very wide brush that they're painting with. So that when they said that, they just meant that they believe some part of the Bible. But if you took all the seating in those churches and put them together, then you would still only have enough seating for about 15 to 20% of the population. So there's, a, there's room for churches. Um, I will be happy to say that that church planning initiative is working. Um, we've actually seen one church, which I'll tell you about here in just a moment, be planted. And there's another church that actually, it's now it's in the Bible study phase, but we're hoping that it will go into a church plant as well. So continue to pray for that. We, that we are working under that plan, uh, and it seems to be paying dividends, not just because it's the plan, but because we believe that this is what God is wanting us to do. Long about that time in 2017, we began feeling that God wanted us into a different season. Um, 
the work was going well there at Agape, but we kind of felt like we had done all that we could do. Uh, it was still going, it was still in the hands of, of the other missionary uh, couple and, and, and the single missionary and the, the, the other pastor. So we felt like, okay, if anybody's going to step out from our team and, and begin a ministry, a, a separate ministry, it needs to be us. And so after praying about it, we were approached by the gentleman you see up here on your right. His name is Dave Rudolph. Now, that, may, that name may not mean anything to you guys, but he's kind of a legend down in South Africa. He's a, he's a native South African, uh, came to school here at Bob Jones, um, and he's been in South Africa for over 30 years planting churches. Uh, we kind of refer to him as the godfather of the garden route because he has planted multiple churches uh, in the Western Cape. Uh, I think in 30 years he's had a hand in planting roughly 12 churches somewhere in that neighborhood. And they're all going well. So he, he knows a thing or two about planting churches. <clears throat> and he had been after us for a couple of years to come and work with him and his wife uh, in Nisna about an hour away. And we said, man, that's just, George is where the Lord's called us, you know. And then at the end of 2017, he approached me. He said, listen, um, we have three young couples in George that we've begun a Bible study with. He says, we have the relationship with them. He says, but we're living an hour away. He says, would you and Tina consider helping us with this Bible study um, and being a George contact for these couples? And we prayed about it, and we felt like that was the open door. That was the new season that God had for us. And so um, we, uh, we told our team that, okay, we're going to be leaving Agape, and we're getting ready to step out and, and work in this new ministry and take that next season. Well, in 2018, early 2018, we were joined by another couple, uh, Troy and Danielle Gaiman. Now, have you ever just met somebody, and the first time you met them, you felt like you'd known them all your life? And just had that, that kinship that just, um, you know, the Bible talks about David and Jonathan, the, their souls just knit together. Well, that was kind of with, uh, with Troy and Danielle. Uh, and we just fell in love with these, these people. He was a, an associate pastor from Pennsylvania um, and just a wonderful guy. Um, he and I get along so well, but even though he's a Duke fan, I'm a Carolina fan. I tell him I pray for his salvation. Uh, but uh, we, have, we uh, just fell in love with them, and they're so easy to work with and to the, the three couples, we, we formed the ministry team uh, for this new church. We called it a church plant in training. And so as we, uh, go ahead, guys, one more. There we go. So we were able to form the Life Fellowship Church um, there in George. That was the first of the new church plants under the Inspired George Initiative. I'm happy to say that uh, going on now for uh, almost two and a half years, it's going strong. Even through COVID, um, it has grown. Uh, we look at the WhatsApp group uh, all the time and we're like, who's this person? Who's that person that's on this? But they're new members. And so God is really blessing. And we're happy to say that uh, this, this church is in good hands. We're excited about where God's taking it. Last time that I was here, we, um, 
we had been talking to you guys about our desire to do a sports ministry there in George. Sports is a huge, huge, has huge outreach potential for the city of George. Uh, the people of South Africa are sports crazed. Uh, they love sport. And any new sport is a great thing for them. And so we've had success over the last 11 years with multiple uh, basketball clinics, uh, soccer clinics, VBS. I know you guys had VBS just recently. Uh, or we call them holiday clubs there. We've seen many, many young people come to know the Lord as their Savior. And we, but again, we lacked any type of facilities that we could use on a regular basis to, to operate out of. And we wanted to do something that was, a, that was more than just once off type things. We wanted to be able to do ministry every week. We wanted to have a place where we could do a center of ministry for, for every day of the week, not just Sundays, not just, you know, the occasional Bible study or the, or the theological seminary. We wanted to have something that was going on all the time. And so um, I was approached by the city about these tennis courts that you see up here on the, excuse me, up here on the wall. I'm looking at this one. You guys are looking at that one. I keep having to remind myself. And they said, would you be interested in renting these tennis courts? We're getting ready to refinish them. I put a lot of work into them. And we, they have a policy of private or nonprofit organizations um, renting those facilities, being caretakers of them. And then being able to, that way they're being taken care of. We open them, close them for the public, but then we get to use them for our own purpose. And we said, yes, that would be wonderful. And so we bid, we got the, we, we were the only people to bid on those tennis courts and we had a five-year lease. But we still didn't have a place to meet. I mean, they're out in the open. There's no way to get out of the weather. And we do have a lot of rain in George. So that was a concern. Now you see a building back here in the back, and um, that's not a building we can use. That's the public bathrooms uh, there. So we needed a, we said, well, it would be great if we could put a building there. And so I spoke with the municipality, and they said, submit your plans. I submitted my plans, and within a week, I had an approval. Now that is record breaking. The architect said, who do you know at, at at the city, and what do you know on them? <laughs> Nothing. The Lord's just in it because most of the time it takes three to five months to get an answer on plans, and so they approved our plans. And so um, we were getting ready to come back on furlough. There you go. And so we had the plans drawn up. This building. It was a small building, but we called it the Indoor Action Center, and it was a place where we could uh, use the outdoor facilities. Uh, for games and, and activities, but then we could take them inside for Bible studies or get out of the rain if it was a if it was a rainy day or what have you. And so we had the approval. We came back on our furlough to raise the money, and we were home for about three four months raising the funds, and we were able to raise about sixty thousand dollars. And we were that would just about do it. We figured the rest of the money would come in. So we go back, but I was not going to spend that money and build that building with just a five-year lease. And I had told them that, and they said, well, that's not a problem. I said, after a year, um, you have to have at least a year, but when after that year's up, we'll go before the, the council, and we'll get you an extension up to 19. That's worth me doing. I can do that. So I come back, 
And during our time that we were gone, we didn't, we didn't realize that there was an election that went on. So when I came back, I couldn't get in touch with my people at the, at the city. I couldn't get in touch. I left messages, left messages, couldn't get in. Finally, I got in and uh, spoke with them. I said, what about my extension? You know, when do we need to apply for that? And they said, well, um, we've been looking at your, at your lease, and your lease doesn't allow you to do that. We can't do an extension on your, you'll have to rebid at the end of your five years. Well, now I'm down to, I've got right at three years left. I said, but you can still build your building. And I said, wait a minute. So you're telling me that I can, I've, I can't get an extension on the lease, but I can go ahead and build this building on the property. And in three years, I can run the risk of having to rebid on it and have to spend a lot more money for something I built or lose it all together. And they said, yes. I said, no, not going to happen. Sorry, guys. That, that's just not going to work for me. And then, so effectively, the Lord shut that door for me. And I'm going to tell you right now, I left that meeting despondent. I thought we were getting ready to enter into this new season, you know, this, this, this time where all these things that we had been thinking about and planning to, to come together. And it was starting to fall together. You know, Lord, why in the world would you bring me this far and then just shut the door on me? Why, why was that? And, you know, I don't know about you guys, but I don't know if you know this, but missionaries, we get disappointed. We get despondent. We can even ask the Lord why. And I was doing that. I, I, I went home and I told Tina what had happened. And I said, why would God bring us this far just to close the door? Everything was just going so well. And she says, Rodney, I don't know, but we need to be praying about it. And we did, and I, I, I told Troy and, and Dave, and they said, yeah, we, let's pray about it. And then Dave, he, had to, he says, well, why don't we just go buy something? I said, well, that's a novel idea, Dave. Why didn't I think of that? Um, we can also be sarcastic. So <laughs> I said, but what you may not understand about George is it's like buying prime real estate. Everything there is expensive. All the land, there's, there's only so much land. It's between a mountain and the ocean. It's a great place to, to, to visit, but there's only so much land there. And so it's at a high premium. And it's over 200 years old, so all the good stuff's gone. I said, so, you know, yeah, with $60,000, we can't buy much, if anything. He said, I know, but let's take a look. So we, we contacted a couple of real estate agents, and uh, they began showing us some, some places. And, yeah, no, I don't think so. That's not going to work. Um, and then I got a phone call from a guy, one of the uh, real estate agents. He said, hey, would you like to look at a property? I said, well, yeah, that's the reason we called you. We'd like to look at some property. Thank you very much. And he said, well, listen, I know of two pieces of property that are side by side. He said, um, they're not on the market, but I know the owners, and I know that they want to sell them. Would you be interested in looking at them? I said, sure. So we, we agreed to, to meet him the next day. And then so we came, and we looked at that one. Slow it down just a little bit, guys. There you go. We looked at the property, 
And there were two buildings. And I'm going to tell you, that's after some work has been done to them. <laughs> but the one building here on the left was the building we said, you know, that has some possibilities. It was nice. It was big. Had thick walls. The walls were about this thick. All On the inside, they were that thick. And we said, you know, this. And then it had like a half acre lot in the back. And we're like, this has got some potential. And he said, well, I want to show you the, the, the property next door to it, the, the one on the right. And I said, oh, my. If, if the story of Hansel and Gretel had a daycare in it, that would have been it. <laughs> I said, yeah, I could just see somebody bringing their kids to the door and somebody there going, ah, come, my little pretties, come see my oven. You know, <laughs> it looked like it was like, ooh. And we said, well, we're interested in the one, but we're definitely not interested in the other. We like the lot that's behind it because it's adjoining the other, you know, the lot that we're interested in, but not interested in that building. And he said, all right, well, let me arrange a meeting with the owners. Well, come to find out the owners were one of the largest land developers in the city. They had numerous, numerous uh, developments all around the city. Very wealthy, but they were also believers. And they said, but they were also businessmen. And they said, listen, we understand why you like the one and don't like the other. But understand where we're coming from. If we sell you the one building, we'll never sell the other. Why don't you buy both? Great idea. <laughs> you know, yeah. But we knew what they were asking for it. And there's no way in the world. We said, listen, we're not so sure we can even raise the money for one, much less two. They said, tell you what we'll do. <clears throat> if you'll agree to buy both of them. We'll knock $85,000 off the asking price right now. You know, we don't need an answer right now, but just to let you know, we'll knock $85,000 off if you'll take both of them. And what we'll do, we'll let you buy the one you want first. <clears throat> and this was in July of um, 2019. It says, we'll give you to the end of 2019 to pay it off and put a deposit on the second one. And then we'll give you another year to the end of 2020 to pay off the second one. So we went back and excited, but like, how in the world are we going to do this? And I remember going home and telling Tina, and I said, praying about it. And I said, sweetie, I'll just be honest with you. It scares me to death. It took me forever. I used up all my capital just to raise the 60000 I don't know how we were going to raise, you know, four or five times that. I'll never forget, she looked at me and she said, Rodney, if your dreams don't scare you, you haven't factored God into them. Preach it, hon. Go ahead. <laughs> well, evidently, uh, my colleagues had been thinking the same thing, and they said, let's do this. We just feel like this is, this is of the Lord, and this is something we've, that we kept the dream alive until others caught it. And they said, let's do this. So we said, all right. And so the $60,000 that we had raised for that little building put the down payment and held this property till we could raise the money. Well, we were busy. We'd made a few phone calls to, to some of our, our larger churches, and, but we were putting together a video to send to everyone. And before I could get the video edited, God sent in the money to pay off the first property. 
And so we began raising money to, to, to pay off the second one. And by as of March 2020, both buildings are paid in full. It was a God thing. It was a God thing. So they're paid off, but they're not, as you can tell, they need some work. <laughs> the one building I told you it would look like Hansel and Gretel's daycare, I, I nicknamed it The Onion. Because every time we peeled, peeled back a layer, it made me want to cry. <laughs> so we had a lot of work to do on these. This is inside The Onion. This is um, the what we nicknamed the Community Center. And we have, our desire was to have a coffee house in the ministry center, uh, in the community center, because a coffee house is a great way to, to, to meet people. See, in South Africa, we can't go door to door. Uh, you've got high walls, gates, uh, you've got bars on the doors, and between the gates and the doors, you have large dogs. And so it's dangerous to go out on, to, to go door to door. But if you can meet them in a neutral location and develop a relationship with them, it's much easier to get past those gates, those dogs, those, and let, they're very gracious and they will invite you in. But, so we had a lot of work to do. We wanted to do the, the, the a coffee house. We wanted to have a nice kitchen. We want a place where we could do some biblical counseling. So we had some work to do. Right before we left, this is what was there. Go ahead. This is the Lord allowed us to transform the coffee house into into something that 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 looks nice and works. We've got good bathrooms uh, with toilets that actually flush. Uh, we've got uh, a semi uh, semi commercial um, kitchen in there. We also have a biblical counseling, a dedicated biblical counseling center in that building, and two classrooms. But we still had the, 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 the one across from it, which was nicknamed the Conference Center. Well, one thing about that building was that 10 years prior, the roof caught on fire. And you say, well, that sounds bad. No, that was good. Because when they replaced the roof, they, they were under new building code. So now that roof had to be very heavy roof, had to be supported by the, the weight of it, had to be supported by the outside walls. So we could go inside that building, it was the bigger of the two, and knock out all those huge walls and form an area where 120 to 150 people can congregate. Now conference center where our, the Life Fellowship Church now meets on Sundays. We also have our uh, theological seminary that meets there on Saturdays. And we have, believe it or not, we have a ballet school that meets there on the afternoons from Monday to Friday. And you say, well, a ballet school? That doesn't sound ministry. But there are many, many students in that ballet school that are, use those facilities that allows us an opportunity to get to know them and their parents. Please pray for the lady who runs the ballet school. Her name is Miss Abby. Uh, she's not a believer. She's had a lot of run-ins with Christians that has soured her over the years. But every time she talks to us, she says, I don't, I've never met people like you before. You guys are so, you guys are different. She cries. So pray, continue to pray for Miss Abby that God will continue to soften her heart 
through this experience um, that, you know, she'll come, she and her family will come to know the Lord. We, we know about her because one of our young adults took ballet from her since she was a child. And so that relationship helped develop this relationship and pray to that, that it will go well. That's the reason we have a wooden floor in our conference center. We were going with tile or concrete, which is the standard. You just don't do wood in South Africa. She said, but tile and concrete are very hard on the dancer's ankles and knees. She said, I really need a wood floor. We said, well, we can't build it, but if you'll put it in, if you'll raise the money and put it in, we'll allow it. And we even helped her raise some of the money to, to put that in. But you see what we have there. Uh, basically took a, a, a sow's ear and made a silk purse out of it. God has really, really provided there. And so now, before we had a, this concrete wall that divided the two buildings, we said, that can't, that's got to come down. Well, we took down the concrete, the concrete inserts. Well, when we took those walls down and wanted to enclose the back lot because it was open, we had more than enough to enclose. We didn't have to buy any extra. Uh, we're so excited about it. And so now all of our property is enclosed. It's secured, which is very important there. And I didn't tell you about this property. You know, one of the things about it, the property that we were looking at with the tennis courts, it was in the middle of a neighborhood. But it, that neighborhood was way to the north and it was up against the mountain. This property's dead center in the middle of town. It's a block and a half from the main bus terminal. Thousands upon thousands of people walk past our doors every day. And they're noticing they're noticing, hey, something's going on in there. What's going on? And our guys take turns uh, being in the coffee house and being on the property so that we can meet these people when they come in. Of course, we had that area in the back, and I told you I wanted a place where we could do sports ministries. Well, I had at my disposal almost an acre of land. So what am I going to do? I'm going to raise money to put a basketball court <laughs> There's, this is the only basketball court in the city of George. And so um, pray for us. We're still working on that court. Uh, I'll show you what these look like now. This was before. Now you get to see after. Uh, the basketball court is poured. It's ready to go, except we still need to, to put the lines on it, and we still need to put a sealant on it. It's a full-size basketball court, uh, high school size. So it's a huge court. People, you know, they were like, are you landing helicopters here? <laughs> Maybe. Uh, <laughs> but uh, pray for us. That particular, as much as we've got in the different buildings, that has the potential to generate more ministry um, than anything that we have right now especially if, if it's run right. So pray for us that, the, that this ministry will go forward. But it's not about buildings. We weren't there about property. Your ministry center is great, but it's all about the people. It's about the people. 
That's why we went to South Africa. That's the reason we uprooted our family and answered the call and went to South Africa. It's about people. People like the Clutus, um, Ash and Renette, and their two boys. We call them Thing 1 and Thing 2 because you can't tell them apart. They're twin boys. Pray for them. They're hot and cold. They're one of the families that helped start the Life Fellowship, but they, they allow the things of the world kind of to, to, to take front and center. So pray for them. You're not supposed to have favorites, right? But, folks, we do. And, and it's hard not to have favorites with this. This group right here that you see at the bottom right, this is our young adult group. This is, this is probably one of our favorite groups, simply because most of them have been with us, some of them, since they were eight years old in our different ministries. I've had the pleasure of, of officiating the wedding of a couple of them. Um, boy, do I feel old. Uh, <laughs> To watch, to watch somebody that, I, that was eight years old when I started and then uh, officiate their wedding. Uh, pray for them. There's not a lot of opportunities for them in George. Uh, it's, a, it's a big city of about 300,000, but tourism is the main um, industry there. And with COVID, it has just decimated that industry. Uh, pray for them. Most of them are going to have to move out of out of the area. They're going to have to move either to Cape Town or Johannesburg or one of the larger cities just to find employment or out of the country. So pray for them. They've got a hard life. But not only pray for them monetarily and that they'll be able to find, but we've given them the foundations and pray that they will continue to, to, to go on as they go into these different areas that they will uh, continue to blossom where the, God, where the Lord plants them. You see, Ellie uh, and his wife, Rennell, uh, during the COVID, when the, the first few days of the COVID, we began to realize that this was going to be a little bit longer thing than we thought. And so we began to ask our churches, hey, we, we're going to need some funds. Uh, people are already, you know, the unemployment rate in South Africa was already at 35%. When COVID hit, it jumped to like 65%. Um, and many of those jobs have not come back. Uh, Ellie, the gentleman that you see right there, is a barista. He owns three small coffee shops. He is the sole provider for not only his family, but for a, at least two other families that are connected to them. He, he is the provider. And he was shut down for over three months. And the Lord allowed us to, to, to help people like Ellie and his wife, Renell, and many others. Uh, you guys, get people, the churches here in the States gave very graciously, and we were able to take the funds and use them as food vouchers for these families. And what we made sure that we did was it never came through uh, Inspire George or our nonprofit. It always went through the local churches. We would give the vouchers to the local pastors and said, okay, you know the needs. You know who's who has legitimate needs. This is from you. Okay, it's not from us. This is from you. And I'm happy to say that the Lord has used that in a mighty way. Has opened many, many doors. Allowed us to to keep a lot of families going. We refer to this as an intervention ministry. That's part of the Inspire George plan. Uh, some people would call it social gospel. This is not social gospel. This is meeting an immediate need so that we can meet that eternal need. 
All right. Sometimes you have to take care of what's in front of them so that they can hear what they need to hear. And so this was part of our, our, our ministry there. And the Lord has opened doors. One of the reasons that inspired George, the, the Life Fellowship Church has grown so well is because of programs like this where we've been able to meet needs. So please continue to pray for, for these families. They, they desperately need it. Um, there are other families. Uh, pray for our, our teen group there. Uh, we're gonna have, it has to be re, redone. Like I said, those ministries have been shut down now for over a year. So they're going to have to be put back together uh, once the, the COVID uh, restrictions are, are taken away. So pray for that. Pray for the elderly. There's a large elderly population there in George. This, this is our South African mom and dad, Freak and Pam. And uh, lovely people, but they're at high risk. Uh, so there's, there's a lot of concern for them. So pray for, for, the, for them. I put this guy up here. This is, this is Dean and his wife, Veronica. I put Dean up there because that's Dean's happy face. That was his wedding day. You look at someone like Dean, you see the ear gauges. He has the tattoos on his arm. Uh, kind of gruff looking, kind of unapproachable sometimes. Dean worked for a printing company that did a lot of our printing at the churches. And so I, I, I knew of him. I had met him before. And then one day I was in there, and he was just really... You could just see the stress was just heavy on him. He was just overwhelmed. And I said, Dean, are you all right? He says, man, just everything's a mess. He said, he said, life's a mess here and at home. He said, I just, I got so much on me. He said, I, I just don't know what to do. And I said, well, do you have anybody to talk to about it? He looked at me and he's like, kind of like, people do that? I said, yeah. He said, yeah, I'd like that. I said, do you like coffee, right? He said, I love coffee. Run off of it. I said, well, you guys don't open till 8 o'clock. There's a coffee house next door that opens at 7. I said, Thursday, this was like a Tuesday. I said, why don't we get together on Thursday at the coffee house? Let's just sit in 45 minutes, and you just tell me all about it. And he said, I'd like that. And we began a, a, a relationship. We get together on Thursday mornings, and we just talk. And we talk about different things, but we definitely would bring in the spiritual things. And, and through our relationship, God allowed that to lead him into a redemptive relationship with Christ. I had the, the, the privilege of, of baptizing Dean. I put him up there because how many people do you walk past every day and you think, oh, I could, they wouldn't be interested in hearing what I have to say. I don't know. I don't think I could, I don't think I could reach someone who looked like that or, or, you know, how dare we? How dare we? People who look like that, they, they hurt just like we do. Probably more. They've probably got a lot more going on in their life than, than we even imagine. And they need to hear 
the gospel. So I, want, I put him up here because I want to encourage you. I want you to go out and find a dean. I want you to go out and I want you to find somebody that you think you have no, no chance of leading to Christ. And I want you to talk to them. I want you to tell them your story of how you came to Christ. And just listen to them. And let the Lord do his work. So you can see all these things are going on. For 11 years, we've been praying that God would, would allow us to have a ministry center, something that we could use for ministry every day of the week. And, and we constantly, up and down, we thought we had something. No, no, we didn't have anything. Up and down through different trials, different times, different seasons. And now it's all come together. God's brought it all together, and, and, and it's really starting to work. And we're not going to be able to enjoy it. Um, few of you know that in the past six years, uh, Tina and I have lost three of our four parents quite suddenly. And so my dad is the last remaining parent that we have. He just turned 80 back in February. But when we were home for my father-in-law's funeral, we noticed that my dad wasn't quite himself. Uh, he had... Uh, he was easily confused, very forgetful, just couldn't quite put things together. And so when we went back to South Africa after the funeral, we said, okay, something's got to be done. We began praying about it. And we had, had said that the call to go to South Africa was so strong and so clear that the call to leave would have to be just as strong. And we feel like the Lord has honored that. And so uh, when we, we made the decision about a year prior that when our next furlough came up that we would not be going back to South Africa after our furlough ended. And so we felt like that is the, the, the ministry that has, God has called us to now is to my dad. You know, we're supposed to honor our parents. And... Uh, and, uh, and Paul tells Timothy, he says, if it talks about widows, he says, but if they've got, if they've got family, if they've got, if he has, if that widow or widower has children, let them return and take care of the parent. And we feel like that is what the Lord is wanting us to do. I'm the only son and the oldest child. So it kind of falls to me. And so he needs someone to live there. And so we are staying with my dad and it has helped immensely. But just pray for him. He, he has been diagnosed of have, as having cognitive memory loss. It's not dementia, but it's the first stage. So just pray as we begin this. We don't know what the next step is going to be for us. Our, right now we're reporting to our churches like we're doing tonight and just letting you know what is going on. Uh, we feel like uh, you guys have been with us and our churches have been very supportive over the years. Um, both financially and prayerfully, we want to let you know in person as many as, as possible what's going on. At this time, I'd like to just take a moment and just see, are there any questions that you have? Yes, there is a young family, believe it or not, the Lord just 
had this worked out. There was a young family that is staying in our church's mission house, uh, the Seacrest. And they are a phenomenal young family. Uh, they've got four boys and another child on the way. So real missionary family. Um, but, um, yeah, if they have any more, they're going to have to run the kids on the backside of the, of the, of the prayer card. So, <laughs> but they, um, they had been missionaries in New Zealand and had to come back for some immunization issues. And then while they were home, um, New Zealand shut down due to COVID. So they can't go back. There's no, there's no ministry for them to go back to right now. And our pastor and Dave Rudolph had met with them and encouraged them to consider coming to George. And we met with them and we talked to them about the things that, the doors that God had opened. And they're like, wow. He says, he says the things you're talking about are the things I've been, I've been praying about, the things that I've been, I've been wanting to do all these years. And he says, it's like you just have it right there. Well, they went on a, uh, a survey trip uh, back in the spring and spent two weeks there, and they've come back, and they said, God's calling us there. They're a good fit with the team. And so we call them Rod and Tina 2.0, new and improved, younger and improved. So um, pray for, for the Seacrest as they are raising their support. They're, they hope to be ready to go by the end of the year. And that would be that would be an ideal time for them to, to show up because that's when they plan to hopefully be able to kick off the ministries and get everything started again. So be praying for them. Thank you. Anything else? Any other questions? All right, if there are no other questions, I have a question for you. What about you? Solomon says that we all go through different seasons and different times in our lives. You've, we've, you've walked you through some different seasons in our life. We're getting ready to enter into a different season of our life. But you go through seasons too, don't you? Right now, each one of you are in a different season of life. You may be in a season of plenty or in a season of want. You might be in a season of, of great joy or sorrow. You could be in a, a season of transition. Of, I've always said there's three answers to prayer. Yes, no, and wait. And the last one is the one that hurts the most. The one I can take a yes, I love a yes, and I can take a no, but that wait. Maybe you say, well, I'm in a, I'm in a late season of life. It's time to sit back and just kind of coast. Folks, I'm sorry. I don't see anywhere in the scriptures where it says that we retire from, our, from being a follower of Christ. I don't see anywhere where it says that we retire from the Great Commission. What about you? Where are you in your life? What season are you in? But more importantly... Are you allowing God to use that season for his honor and glory? You see, our purpose on this earth is to bring glory to God, is it not? 
Well, how do we do that? Well, I've got these little bands over at the two tables over here and one in the back. We call these purpose bands. On one side it says Next Gen. That's the ministry that we help found. We ask people to wear them and reminds them to pray for us. But it also reminds us of our purpose to bring glory to God. Well, how do we do it? First of all, by knowing Christ. We can't bring glory to God if we don't know him. And we can't know him unless we know his son, Jesus Christ. That is the only way to God. Secondly, though, once we know Christ, is we make him known to others. If you would like to have one of these purpose bands and, and take, take as many as you want, we'll order more. But promise me, if you take one, you'll wear one and you'll use it, not only to remind you of your purpose, but to help people understand their purpose in this life. And most of the time, it's that first step of knowing Christ as their Savior. Are you, as a, as a very wise pastor told me, he says, he says, Rodney, bloom wherever God plants you. Are you blooming where God has planted you right now? He's planted you in this season, and he expects you to bloom. Thank you so much. for, the, for the, the, the continued prayer and financial support that you guys have given us over the years. You have been very faithful, and we appreciate it to no end. We covet your prayers right now as we decide what this next step is, what the next ministry is for us. We know it's going to be stateside. We just, we're narrowing in, but we're not sure. But we should be making an announcement here in the next couple of weeks. So Pray that God would give us that discernment, that wisdom. Uh, we, cut, we, we desire that more than anything, is to know that we are where God wants us and doing what God wants us to do. But whatever we do, we're going to do it for his honor, his glory. And I pray that whatever season you're in, you'll do it for his glory and his honor. Brother, I'll turn it back over to you. Thank you so much. Appreciate that, Brother Rodney. And boy, I tell you, as I listened to Brother Rodney tell his story, I thought, isn't it something how the hand of God works? Uh, Brother Matt Allen, another missionary who we support in Papua New Guinea, said, you just go for God, and if he doesn't want you going that direction, he'll close the door. And he said, you know, a lot of people just sit and wait on God to open the door. You just go. God will open and close the doors that direct you where he wants you to be. And I remember, brother, you may not remember this. We met for breakfast in Buena Vista. And you were showing us all about the indoor activity building and all that God was going to do. and was excited about that and raising money for it. But then God closed that door. And I can only imagine the discouragement, like, Oh, man. I mean, and the discouragement that fills your heart. But then God had something bigger and better in mind. And God directed you to the buildings and provided for you. And at the same time, there's a missionary in New Zealand who is working over there. And he comes home because he needs to get his immunization fixed. And the doors are closed. He can't go back to New Zealand. And the discouragement, what are you doing, God? Why are you closing this door? And the whole time, God knows that Brother Rodney's going to need to come home to take care of his dad. So the Lord is closing doors to put his people where he needs his people so that his work goes on. Brother, I appreciate your story. Just how It just shows how the hand of God is working and guiding and directing. And I thank you, Brother, for being sensitive to the Lord and following the Lord's leading. And boy, I tell you what, I appreciate all that is going on there. Boy, just amazing seeing those buildings going from... Uh, 
the bad daycare to where they're at now and uh, how the Lord's working. Thank the Lord he's got someone else going over there to take that ministry over. And do be in prayer for Brother Rodney. Uh, boy, whenever you invest that much of your life into a ministry and then to have to have to step back for a time, that, that's a tough decision. And so pray for Brother Rodney and Miss Tina that the Lord give them direction. He give them peace and show them where he wants to serve. And brother, when you and I were talking on the phone, you said that you will still continue to be involved in missions uh, either through coordinating or being in contact with folks the whole time. And so uh, Brother Rodney will continue to be in, uh, involved in missions. So just pray that the Lord blesses him and Tina and directs their life. And Brother, we thank you uh, for serving so faithfully and for all that God has allowed you to do. And so y'all uh, be sure to get by and uh, let Brother Rodney know you appreciate him. Be praying for him. Pray that the Lord uh, direct him. And uh, I believe a fellow with the... Uh, with the passion that you see demonstrated here on the screen, he's not going to just sit in dad's recliner. He's going to be making things happen here too. So just be praying for him that the Lord will direct him and help him and be with him. Thank you all for being with us this evening. I'm going to ask Brother Corey.